Welcome to the Lion's Drive. I am Pastor Jimmy Udukoya. I pray this episode blesses you and it reminds you to become the lion that God has called you to be. Be blessed. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship. We thank you that you are here. Have your way. Have your way. Do as you will, O oh God. Do as you will, O oh God. Father, we thank you that you have declared that it is indeed our year of signs and wonders. Father, we thank you, O oh God, that you will make us signs. Signs of your glory. Signs of your presence. Signs of your wisdom. Signs of your power. Signs of your dominion. Signs of your authority on earth. In the name of Jesus. You said signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. Because we believe. Because we believe. Because we believe. We receive. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, as we go into a time of your word, we ask, oh God, that you come and you speak. Oh God, I submit myself as a humble vessel. Father, I thank you, oh God, that I am clay in the hands of the potter. I thank you, oh God. And I ask that even right now you make my tongue like that of the pen of a ready writer to inscribe on the hearts and minds of those who are ready to receive. I thank you, oh God, that this word will go and fall on good soil and take root in the name of Jesus. I come against the devil and anything he will try to use to stop, impede, or distract the word from falling, and we command him right now to go in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you glory. Father, as this is the first Sunday, we want to especially pray for our children. We cover every child here with the blood of Jesus. We decree and declare that their path has been made straight in the name of Jesus. Whether they are going back to school, whether they are day students or they are boarding students, your presence goes with them in the name of Jesus. Over them we shall only hear good news in the name of Jesus. We thank you that they are head and never tail. We thank you that they are on top and never beneath. We thank you that they are more knowledgeable than their teachers. In the name of Jesus. We thank you that they have the blessing of the Lord. And great shall be thy peace on the earth. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, O oh God, that this will be the beginning of the best years of their lives. In the name of Jesus, they pray that these children will be like arrows in the hand of the Almighty. They shall do great exploits for you on this earth. They will continue to grow in favor with God and with man. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory. 
take all the honor, take adoration, take all the praise in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. If you receive it, shout amen. If you know that God has done it, give God a shout of hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Isaiah 8, 18. Let's start there. Isaiah 8, 18. It says this, amplified version. It says, listen carefully. Look at your neighbor. Say, listen carefully. Just in case you did not know, listen carefully. Isaiah is speaking. It says, I and the children... Whom the Lord has given unto me are for signs and wonders in Israel. So if you are a child, now everybody is a child when it comes to God. Whether you are 70, you are not, even if you are 90, you are still a child when you compare it to the age of God. Amen? Whether you are two, as long as you are a member of this house, the word of the Lord for you this year is that you are a sign and wonder. If you believe it, say amen. amen. So I wanted to do a bit of digging. I read it, sign and wonder, sign and wonder. And I wanted to look at the word sign. What does it mean to be a sign? I had a couple of questions. What does it mean to be a sign? When was the first time the word sign was used in the Bible? How do we describe when the Lord says sign in the Hebrew? What does sign mean? And I began to look through all these things. Now, the Hebrew word for sign is oth, O-T-H, and it means sign or signal. And I began to break it down. It says a distinguishing mark, a banner, remembrance, miraculous sign, omen, warning, a sign or signal. And I wanted to find out again, where was the first time the word sign was used in the Bible? And if you look, go by the law of first mention, and it is a principle which you use to study the Bible. One of the principles, it says, the first time you see a word appear, you can glean in scripture, you can glean a lot from what it means and the importance of the word. So using the law of first mention, I began to search. Where was the first place the word sign or the Hebrew word oath was used in the Bible. And I'd mentioned this before when we were talking about, I, I, I can't remember, it was the cut of the covenant and we talked about this. But the first time that the word sign was used was Genesis 4.15. Put it on the screen. Genesis 4.15. And it is, we know the story of Cain and Abel, and Cain had just killed his brother Abel in the field. Genesis 4.15 says this, And the Lord said to him, what did he say? Therefore, whoever kills Cain, a sevenfold vengeance, that is, punishment seven times worse, shall be taken on him by me. And then what does the Lord say? And the Lord set a protective mark, somebody say sign, on Cain so that no one who found met him would kill him. I found this very interesting because in the verse before, when God had meted out his punishment for killing Abel, Cain responded and said, Lord, this punishment is too much for me. 
And God responded by putting a sign. Somebody say sign. His response was to put a sign on Cain's head. Now, based on what Cain had done, after all, Jesus said in Matthew, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So, as far as Cain was concerned, he just killed his brother. Based on Matthew 26, the same way he killed his brother, he should be killed, right? If we're going by justice, if you kill somebody, if you kill somebody, then you have submitted yourself to be a candidate for killing. Especially if you did it intentionally. And so when God mets out his punishment, Cain says, it's too much for me. And God responds by putting a sign. So I wrote this down. And the reason why he gave him a sign was to protect him. So that no one would kill him. So he responded to Cain with grace. He had killed. He should have been killed. God says, you know what? Although you have erred, I will put grace. I will give you grace by putting a sign so that although you have fallen in sin, no one will touch you. Anyone who sees this sign, if they touch you, they have to contend with me. So I wrote down, it was grace that produced the sign. And in the same way, the sign was a symbol of grace to Cain. And I began to see very quickly that we who were in sin, we are very similar to Cain because when Jesus came, he met us in sin. And when we received the sign or the mark of grace, then we became saved. Cain received a mark that he did not deserve. In the same way we received a grace that we did not deserve. Romans 5, 8 to 10 says this. Put it on the screen. Romans 5, 8 to 10 says this. But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were yet or still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us when we were already saved. He didn't die when we, all, we had all our stuff together. He didn't give his life when he said, you know what, these people are worth dying for. While we were in sin, the same way Cain was in sin, he had just sinned and he received grace. It is the same way Jesus came. He says, while we were in sin, Christ died for us. What does it say then? Therefore, since we have now been justified, declared free of guilt, of sin, by what? His blood. Our sin has been taken away, not because we are not sinners, not because we are good people, not because we are not evil, not because we are not flawed. Our sin was taken away, why? Because of his blood. How much more certain is that, that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him? For if while we were enemies, while we were Enemies, we were what? Reconciled to God through the death of his son. You were God's enemy. The same way Cain was Abel's enemy. You were not a child of God. You were not on God's side when he died. 
You didn't go looking for him. He came and died for us. So it's very important that we remember that we were enemies when he came and died. And when he reconciled us to us through the death of his son, it is much more certain, having been reconciled, that we will be saved from the consequences of sin by his life. That is, we will be saved because Christ lives today. Somebody say today. If we were to be given the reward for our sin, if we were to receive the consequence of enmity with God, we would not be here. But because Jesus Christ died and he is alive today, it is the guarantee that we have life in him. Ephesians 2, 3 to 9, I'm going to show you something. Ephesians 2, 3 to to 9 says this. Among these unbelievers, we are all once, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior governed by this sinful self, indulging in desires of human nature without the Holy Spirit and the impulses of the sinful mind. We were by nature children under the sentence of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. That's who we were. Vile passions, our behaviors, living for ourselves, our human nature. We didn't have the Holy Spirit. But what happens? But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins. While we were separated from God because of our sinful nature, he loved us. So if he loved you in your sin, there is nothing that you will do save that will keep him loving you because he's not loving you because you do right. Okay. He is not in love with you because you pray every day or because you fast or because you keep the commandments or because you're a good person. He loved you while you were in sin. So if he loved you while you were in sin, now that you are saved, nothing will stop him from still loving you. You did not earn salvation. That's why the Bible says your righteousness is as filthy rags. It is not about you once you realize that his love for you is in spite of you. You cannot bribe him. You cannot woo him. You cannot, you know, a lot of times we try to manipulate God by our righteousness. It doesn't work. <laughs> because he loved you while you were a sinner. Somebody say sinner. It says in the scripture... That he loved us even when we're spiritually dead and separated of him because of sin. He made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For by his what? For, for by his what? Everybody say grace. His undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. The favor you have, you don't deserve it. The favor I have, I don't deserve it. Undeserved favor and mercy. Somebody thank God for God's mercy. Just say, thank you, God, for mercy. He saved us from his judgment. You know, all those times when we, you know, we pray, God, kill our enemies. Let them fall down and die. 
You know, the Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You know, when you think you are good, it, it really matters who is the determinant or who holds the metric for what good is. Because if God should judge everyone by his standard of good, all of us, as good as you think you are, you're still not good enough. The Bible says if you think it, the Bible says if you, if you think in your heart lustfully, if you think it, you have done it. Everybody should be humble right now. Because if we could excavate our minds and just kind of sample our thoughts, we have killed 20 people just driving to church. Can somebody be real with me? God bless you. If you think it by God's standard, how many if we were judged on thoughts and not actions alone? All of us are going to hellfire. In fact, then we say, wake up. But God, being so rich in mercy, he saves us from God's judgment and he raised us together with him when we believed and seated us with him in heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. And he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus by providing us redemption. For it is by what? It is by what? God's remarkable compassion. It is remarkable because we are we are stubborn human beings. Because it's remarkable that God loves us even when we are remarkably bad. It is remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own you are not doing anything to keep your salvation. <laughs> I'll say that again. You are not doing anything to keep your salvation. Pray five times a day. Pray ten times a day. Pray twenty times a day. Pray no times a day. It is not your prayer that keeps you saved. Now don't misunderstand me. There is a place for prayer. It is spiritual discipline. It brings, you, brings your flesh into subjection under your spirit. It keeps you communing with God. If you abide in me, I abide in you. If you draw close to me, I draw close to you. But don't get it twisted. It's not by how long you pray. Some people, they take pride. Can you pray one hour? Don't talk to me if you can't pray one hour. Because then we know the, the kind of Christian that you are. We... We are the group of 10-hour prayers. You do not even know that when you begin to take pride in your efforts, that is sin. Are you with me? It is not by your effort that you are saved. But it is the, somebody say, undeserved. It is undeserved. Undeserved, gracious gift of God not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast. 
If you are boasting in anything spiritual, you have missed it. No one will be able to boast or take any credit in his salvation. You know, from the moment I've been saved, I've walked with God and I've never looked back. Every day I fast and pray. I don't listen to worldly music. I only eat unleavened bread. You know, I don't mix with the darkness of the world. I'm, 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 I'm so saved. I'm so set free and sanctified. Shut up, sir. With all due respect, shut up, ma. Not, I'm not telling you to shut up. Oh, it's in context, please. They train me well. Not like that. I'm just saying, if by chance you hear anybody, if they're an older person, don't say it to them. Say it in your mind. Don't say, Pastor said, shut up. Yeah, we, no. Please help me. Amen. Thank you. Can we continue? <laughs> it says that no one can boast in any way. So I wrote down when Isaiah was talking about being a sign in Isaiah 8. It is simply by grace that we can even become signs. (laughs) See, what allows us to be a sign is not because we are special in any way or we are more faithful than anyone, but it is simply the grace of God. Say the grace of God. So whatever he chooses to do with you this year, if he moves through the free gifts that he's giving, however he chooses to showcase his glory, We must remember it is not us in any way. It is all him. Somebody say the grace of God. I wrote this down. When you think of a banner, when you think of a billboard, when you think of a sign, it is designed to catch your attention with some kind of information. You see, the purpose of a banner or a sign is to provide information. But the banner is not in itself the information. Did you catch that? The banner is the messenger and not the message. This is the way to Ikoi. This is the way to VI. But the banner is not Ikoi. The banner is not VI. If you saw a banner that said, you can buy gold, gold, buy gold jewelry here. And you think, ooh, then you now cut off the banner and you take it to value it. Say, this I can buy gold. <laughs> they look at say, are you all right? Is everything okay? Because the banner conveys a message, but it is the messenger and never the message. And I wrote this down. A lot of times, when God decides to make us his banner or make us his sign, we quickly forget that our purpose is not to bring glory to ourselves. We are simply messengers. Somebody say messengers. We are simply messengers and we are not the message. If all they see is us and none of him, then we have failed in our purpose as signs. Hmm. It's getting quiet. You see, if a banner is so distracting to the point that the banner itself is competing with the message, (laughs) 
If you ever see a banner so distracting to the point that the banner itself is competing with the message that it was designed to pass, then the banner has failed as a banner. The sign has failed as a sign. You see, the star of every sign is the message and never the messenger. Look at Matthew, 4, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. This is what it says, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It says this, you are the light of who? A lot of times say we're the light. Okay, light of who? Christ. You are the light of Christ to the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. What does he say? Let your light shine before men. It doesn't stop there. What does he say? In such a way that they may see your good deeds and what? Moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father in heaven. The reason why your light is meant to shine is so that people can see it and glorify your Father in heaven. Your light is not your light. He says, you are the light of Christ. The light that you have did not come from you. You do not have light because you are the most shiniest object in the world. You simply have light because the grace of God shone upon you when his son died for you. And now we walk in the glory of his resurrected um, of life and he gives us light. As a matter of fact, John 1 says it like this. For in him was light. Him was life. Put it on there. John 1, 4 to 5. I want them to see it. Talking about this light. For in him was life and the power to bestow life. And that life was what? So it is his life in you that produces the light. So when you remember everything that I do, it is not because I want to be seen. God is not going to make you a sign so you can show off. The whole point of him giving you his light when you reflect the light of the S-O-N, when you have that light shining, people are supposed to see the light and they should be able to recognize in your light and give glory to God. If they cannot recognize God in your light, sir, ma, there's a problem. The light cannot be so distracting that it takes away from the message He says, let your light shine so they may see your good works, your moral excellence, and then glorify your Father who is in heaven. Ephesians 2 puts it like this. Ephesians 2.10. Looking at my time. Ephesians 2.10. Put it on the screen. It says this. For we, somebody say we are his workmanship, his own, somebody say his own, his own masterwork, a work of art created in who? 
And because we are created in Christ Jesus, we are reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and somebody say ready to be used. So what makes us ready to be used is that we are reborn, spiritually transformed, and renewed. Now, we're ready to be used for what? For good works. Somebody say good works. Which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we could walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. So if we are his workmanship, if we are to be his workmanship, how do we become his workmanship? It says that we must be spiritually transformed. We must be renewed. And then when we are renewed and spiritually transformed and reborn, then we are ready to be used. If you are ready to be used, then that means you must be yielded. Somebody say be yielded. To be a sign that is spiritually transformed, that is renewed, we must live a yielded life. I began to scour through the Bible and I saw that everyone that God used as a sign lived a yielded life. And the ultimate sign, because of time, Jesus was the ultimate sign of God. Jesus is the bias of Scripture. Jesus is every prophecy, every promise that was ever made about him. Over 2,000, he fulfilled all of them. Not one did he not fulfill. And guess what? Jesus lived a yielded life. How do I know? John 12, 49 to 50. Put it on the screen. John 12, 49 to 50. It says this. For, this is Jesus speaking, I have never, somebody say never. That means it never happened. It, it, it has not happened ever. I have never spoken on my own initiative or authority. This is Jesus. But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment regarding what to say and what to speak. James 1 says, be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Jesus says, I never speak unless I hear what my Father has commanded me to speak. Continue on, he says, I know that his commandment is eternal life. So the things I speak in accordance with his, somebody say exact, Exact instructions, just as the Father told me. This is Jesus. Look at John 5, 19 to 21. More example of his yielded life. John 5, 19 to 21. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the Son can do, what's that word? He can do nothing of himself, of his own accord, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever thing the Father does, the Son, in turn, also does in the same way. For the Father dearly loves the Son, and shows him everything that he himself is doing. 
And the Father will show him, will show him what? He will show him greater works than these, so that you will be filled with the Father will show the Son greater works so that the people will be filled with wonder. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life and allows them to live on, even so, the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. I wrote this down. So because Jesus was yielded to the Father... He only spoke what he heard the Father speak. And because he was yielded and only did what the Father did, he was able to do greater works. Somebody say greater works. So everything the Father did, as long as the Son was yielded, somebody say yielded, he could do greater works. So right here, Jesus is showing us the formula for greater works. Listen. Jesus says in John 14, 12, what does he say? He says this, John 14, 12, I assure you, I most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. See, notice the pattern. Jesus says, I only do what the Father does. Now, he comes and says, if you believe in me, you will do what I do. And then what will happen? He will do what? He will do greater things than these in extent and outreach because I am going to the Father. So I wrote down an equation. The equation for greater works is Jesus plus yielded life equals greater works. If you do what Jesus does, and you live a yielded life, you will do greater works. He says, greater works shall you do. Greater works shall you do. But it is impossible to do greater works and to become a sign if you are not yielded. Are you with me? You cannot become a sign and do greater things. He says, greater things than this shall you do. In my name, you shall cast out demons. You shall heal the sick. You shall raise the dead. All of this is contingent on you being yielded. Because if you are yielded, the same way Jesus was yielded to the Father and we yield to the Son, the same way Jesus could do greater things that his Father showed, is the same way we will do greater works than him. You cannot be a sign for God if you are not yielded. Are you still with me? What does a yielded life looks? What does a yielded life look like? You have to be willing, and you have to be obedient. Somebody say willing and obedient. Isaiah one nineteen says, "If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land." Jesus, who was the ultimate sign found himself in the garden. And this is what he says in Luke twenty-two forty-two. He was sorrowful unto death, the Bible says. He knew what was coming. There was no cheat sheet. There was no cheat code. He had to die the most painful death in flesh so that he could redeem us. And he knew what he was going to go through. 
And this is him speaking to his father. Asking him, if you are willing, <laughs> remove this cup of divine wrath from me. Yet, not my will. But always yours be done. I wrote down, until you come to a place of not my will, but your will, you cannot be a sigh. It becomes quite clear that a sign in itself has no agenda except the agenda of the one who created it. I'll say that again. A sign in itself has no agenda except the agenda of the one who created it. Look at John 5.30. Jesus is speaking. John 5.30. He says this. I cannot do anything on my own initiative or authority. Just as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is fair. Fair, righteous, unbiased. Because I do not seek what? But only. Somebody say only. The will of God. Who sent me? Remember, in Ephesians, we spoke about how we are his craftsmanship. If you are God's craftsmanship, that means you were created for a purpose. If you were crafted, you were created for a purpose. Look at Psalm 139, 13 to 16. God was so intentional about making you. He crafted you. You are God's masterpiece. You were intentionally created. I love the way David puts it. Psalms 139, 13 to 16. Look at what he says. For you formed me, my innermost parts. You knit me together. How many people know if you've ever, how many people have ever knitted before? Anyone knitted before? Wow. Not a lot of people have knitted. You know, growing up, my grandma used to knit. My grandma Williams used to knit. And she would sit down and take her knitting pins and she'd start knitting with the wool, ball of wool, and knit, 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 knit. And multiple times I would go out of interest and she tried to teach me and I'd learn and I'd forget. I remember you knit, then you put it around, then you knit, and then you put it around. But knitting takes time, knitting is intentional. You start from a ball of wool, and then you have a full sweater. <laughs> Knitting. It takes concentration. It takes time. And the psalmist says, you knit me together. You are not an accident. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You didn't just happen. The Bible says... You knit me together. When God was thinking about you, what kind of eyes shall he have? What kind of nose, you know? God made my ears big because he knew that I, was, I must hear what? You know, I used to tease that. You see, this is my ears. You see my ears like this. They've been the same size since I was born. I thank God for grace that I grew into my ears. My family used to call me, you know, there was, a, there was a cartoon called, was it Dumbo the Flying Elephant? Do you remember, remember Dumbo the Flying Elephant? You know? Yes. 
So they used to call me Jumbo. Because <laughs> my ears, boy, was just always flapping. I love it. But God knew what he was doing. He said, this boy, sometimes he get coconut head. He knits my ears. I, I, you know, it baffles me. When, can, I, can I just, can I break a table for a second? Do you mind? I, 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 don't, I don't understand why we spend money to change our complexion. Uh-oh. Hey, help me, help me, help me, help me. Can I just, can I, can we just have a conversation? So wait first. The God who was knitting, who knew you be born in, in, in sub-Saharan Africa, Western Hemisphere, in the West part of Africa, and knew the kind of temperature and climate that would be there, and he knew that you'd be born in Nigeria, and he knew the tribe that you'd be put into, and said that you should have dark skin. Then you, by in your, you see this, hey, Jesus, help me. <laughs> you know when man is too wise, God says when they became wise, too wise in their self, he gave them to their reprobate mind to be doing foolishness. So you went no past God, who was not there when he was knitting you. Now say, sir, you made a mistake. I'll now take chemical. And I'll be, hey, you are paying money to bleach. Nigeria, we're the highest opportunity of bleaching cream. Do you not see that we have identity complex? We, we, we have identity crisis. We do not know who we are. God, who said that he needs you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You decide that you don't like what he did because you know past the one who created you. So he made you black, you want to be white. But you see the, the human condition. White people stay in the sun because they want to be dark. They will go and spray fake tan so that they can be dark. You, who has natural tan? Why? Help me. God gave you fine eye. You don't like the color of your eyes, so you'll be wearing contacts. Now, listen, if you're wearing contacts to see, like, that's different. But some people... Where contact the point that they will forget why your eye is not blue. Now, there are some people who have anomalies and has blue eye. There is a reason why God gave them blue eye. God did not make a mistake with you. <laughs> hey. can, I, can I advise my. I'm going back. Oh. I've not finished. We're still in craftsmanship. We're still on knitting. Amen? Let me advise my brothers nowadays. <laughs> Before you marry, find a way to go and do swimming dates. Let her swim. Because, <laughs> help me. <laughs> Makeup has become witchcraft. Can you talk to me, please? Makeup is to enhance what is there, not to give you a whole completely different face. Where we don't even recognize you. There was a real case. A man went to sue his wife for fraud. Because he said on the wedding night, 
When she took off her makeup, I said, this is not why I married. They will use contour, you change your shape, you, then there are people that are now the worst. They will not even go and do surgical alteration. Some people will go and do, they will now die. We pray that they go to heaven. God will say, sir, what are you doing here? Ma, this was not your time. I want a bigger bomb bomb. <laughs> Sorry, Lord, my bomb bomb. What's wrong with... <laughs> okay, let me stop because if I continue, <laughs> I need you. See, can I can, see? Some people are going to fight me for this one, they're going to fight me. But can I say it? Are you sure? I'm about to break a big table. Okay, are you, I asked you, ASP, I asked them. You don't be saying yes to hear what I'm about to say. Everything about you was intentionally designed. From the shape of your face to the color of your skin to the texture of your hair. Do you still want me to continue? Do you want us to have this conversation? <laughs> Sorry. ASP, should I go there? Thank you. All right. See, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Hey, Jesus, help me. Do you understand? Do you know that now the standard of beauty most women will not go out until they put out another woman's hair on their head. And they say that they are not beautiful until you put somebody's hair on your head. So the one who gave you your hair made a mistake. Wait, so we're having a conversation. Wait, so. See, anybody can do what they want to do. Amen? I'm not saying don't use, but it is the mentality. People will spend millions. But here's the funny thing. The people that you are putting on your hair, they are not putting their own, your own hair on their head. God made you. I know hair is hard the texture of my hair. That's why he gave it to you. You know how to handle it. He gave it to you for a reason. The white one, hey, the hair. Human condition. I saw in Asia, they're trying to make their hair more Afro. It's not new. They're not trying to change the texture. God gave you everything that you have for a reason. You were fearfully and wonderfully. Everything he makes is good. Go to, put it, put it on the screen. This, what, 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 the scripture we're reading right now, apart from knitting, he says this, in my mother's womb, what is the next line? I will give thanks and praise him for I am fearfully, your hair is wonderful. 
Your eyes are wonderful. Your skin is wonderful. Your lips are wonderful. Your tummy is wonderful. Your bum bum is wonderful. Continue on. Wonderful. You are a sign. You are made in the image and likeness of God. So is God not wonderful? If I am made in his image, I reflect his likeness. Everything about me is wonderful. And my soul knows it. Does your soul know it very well? Don't let anybody tell you that you are not enough. God made you fearfully and wonderfully. He knits you together in your mother's womb. Some people will be angry now. I'm not going back to church. <laughs> Pastor said that we should not be wearing weave. I didn't say that. I said just love your hair. Amen. From time to time, let you, even your hair will thank you. Like, Let's continue. My frame was not hidden from you. My frame, your frame, your frame, your body type, your frame. See, if you don't, <laughs> there's nothing, listen, if you want to go to the gym, go to the gym, fantastic. But when you start using surgery to alter your frame, do you know that some people are breaking their legs to get taller? Oh, no, you, oh, you haven't heard of that? Oh, yeah. Some people, they're intentionally going to for surgery. They break their legs, and then they put iron to give themselves three, four inches to be taller. And then they have to go through rehab because they want to be taller. So God that made you see... If God made me short, it's because he wanted me to be close, firm to the ground, center of gravity. There's a reason. There is a reason. Your frame was not hidden. Look at what he says. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was formed, being formed in, look at the next line, and intricately, The fact that nobody looks like anybody else, that means everybody is a custom-made, intricate piece. Your fingerprints and my fingerprints are not the same. You know, when you make custom-made things, it costs more. Intricately, delicately, it says intricately, and what? Skillfully formed. As if what? I was embroidered with many colors. If you are dark, he did it intentionally. If you are light-skinned, he did it intentionally. If you are purple-black, he did it intentionally. If you are pasty-white, he did it intentionally. In the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your books were all written 
the days that were appointed for me, when as yet there was not one of them taking shape. So if God is that intentional about creating you, that means he knows what he was doing when he made you. That means if he decides to make you a sign, he knows how to display you. He knows how to position you. He knows where to establish you. It is not a mistake you were born in Nigeria. You could have been born in the United States. Wherever God has created you, he did it for a purpose. The last thing I'll say because of my time. Every sign is made to purpose. Every sign is made to purpose. That means that if you are made to purpose, if you are intricately and intentionally and delicately knit together, there is no need for competition. You are not like me, and I am not like you. And we were designed intentionally for a purpose. So your purpose can never be my purpose because we are not two of the same thing. Do not try to make your purpose mine. I cannot make my purpose yours because when he designed me, he designed me for a purpose. If we were designed for a purpose, then there is no need to compete. So it doesn't matter how big you feel your successes. You look at someone and say, ah, their purpose is big. My purpose is small. Their purpose is, 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 is medium. But this is this. God knows why he gives us what he gives us. He has designed us for our purpose. Romans 12, 48, as I close. Last scripture I'll talk about today. For just as in one physical body, we have what? Many parts. And these parts do not all have the same function or special use. So we who are many are nevertheless just one body in Christ. And individually, we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on each other. So we all have different parts. He says this, since we have gifts that differ according to grace given to us, each of us is to use them accordingly. If someone has the gift of prophecy, let him speak a new message from God to his people. In proportion to the faith possessed, if service in the act of serving, or he who teaches in the act of teaching, or he who encourages in the act of encouragement, he who gives with generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy in caring for others with cheerfulness. So just because you're not on a state teaching does not mean you're not fulfilling purpose. Your purpose can be encouraging somebody that needs it. Your purpose can be praying for somebody, checking on a friend. Your purpose can be giving with generosity. Your purpose can be serving. Saying hello when you come to church. Cleaning the church. Service is still purpose. And see, if everybody has a part to play, God doesn't judge you based on how big how big your purpose is. He judges you according to the purpose that he has assigned to you. So if you have five, remember the parable of the talents. He gave five, he gave two, he gave one. The one he gave two did not fail because he had less than the one that had five. 
He gave five and he required five. He gave two and he required additional two. The one that failed is not because he had one, but because he did not utilize and did not function in the purpose that God had given him. We keep asking God, God, I want to uh, expand and, and promote me, uh, push me out of the world. If you are faithful over a little, then I will commit much into your hand. Your job, no matter where you are, where you find yourself as a sign, is to be in purpose. If God has you right now cleaning the doors, that is your purpose. With joy and gladness of heart as unto the Lord because he can trust you. If God says your purpose right now is to be dancing, that is your purpose. Do it with gladness of heart. If your purpose is to be a CEO of a multi-million dollar do it with heart. If you do not do it well and you who is sweeping the floor, do it with all diligence. God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I say to the one with the billion dollar, depart from me, I do not know you. The metrics of success is not how big or how effective or how seen we are in functioning in purpose. It's how diligent we are in the purpose that God has given us. There is a fallacy that if you are not seen, you are not important. Can we see the heart? Can you see your heart? Is the heart important? <laughs> we all see the head, the fingers. Oh, this thumb is very small. Break it and see how important it is. See this is my little toe. I don't need this. Cut it. See how important it is. The most important person on earth is the Holy Spirit. And he's not seen. Stop fighting to be seen. Fight to be in purpose. If you lift me up, I will draw men. Remember as I close, God has made us a sign simply by his grace. Nothing we have done has warranted us being used by God. It's simply by his grace. And if we are his sign, we must be yielded. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Because when you are yielded, then greater works can you do. Because when you see the son do, then you will do greater works when you believe. And if you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are made intentionally for a purpose. And when you focus on being in purpose, then he can use you as the sign to showcase you however he chooses to in any area, in any situation, in any season. So let your light so shine before men so they might see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. Amen? This week the Lord bless you. This week, the Lord keep you. This week, the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. This week, he will make you a sign that will cause people to wonder. In the name of Jesus. This week, he will let your light so shine before men. So they might see your good works and praise your father in heaven.
This week he goes before you like a shield. Everywhere you go, the presence of God goes with you. He shall lead you like a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. No evil shall come before you or your loved ones in the name of Jesus. He goes before you to make every crooked place straight in the name of Jesus. The lines are falling for you in pleasant places. Everywhere the soles of your feet tread upon, he shall give it to you for your possession. He shall give you a tongue that cannot be contested. He shall give you wisdom in every area of your life. You shall be head and never tail. You shall be on top and never beneath. You shall be first and never last in the name of Jesus. At the end of it all, you are more than conquerors in the name of Jesus. By the, by, um, no, no evil shall smite you by day or hours of pestilence by night in the name of Jesus. If they come against you one way, they shall flee seven ways in the name of Jesus. When you lift up your voice to ask for help, a thousand will answer in the name of Jesus. No good thing will you withhold from you this week. In the name of Jesus, we call forth resources from the north, south, east, and west. In the name of Jesus, he shall bring you before kings and great men. In the name of Jesus, you shall lend to nations and never borrow. In the name of Jesus, the Lord shall be the glory and the lifter of your head. In the name of Jesus, you are blessed when you go out. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed when you come in. You are blessed when you lay your heads to rest. In the name of Jesus, this week all the work of your hands must prosper. In the name of Jesus, this week it will cause men to favor you. In the name of Jesus, Everywhere you go, his favor surrounds you like a shield. In the name of Jesus, surely goodness and mercy shall overtake you. In the name of Jesus, this week increases yours on every side. He will enlarge your territory. In the name of Jesus, this week we call net breaking resources. In the name of Jesus, this week he will do exceedingly abundantly above. All you can ask, think, or imagine in the name of Jesus. This week he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This week you shall go from glory to glory. You shall go from strength to strength. You shall go from grace to grace. So shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that you were blessed. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And if you know a fellow lion that needs to join the tribe, please be sure. Send them this link. Share this episode. God bless you.